Hey gang, welcome to episode 249 of the No Presidium podcast, the voice of everything immersive. I'm your host, Noah Nelson, coming to you from the No Pro Everything here in Los Angeles. Uh, it is day 490 flurp of uh, the coronavirus lockdown. And uh, this week on the show, uh, we're talking phone LARPs, phone adventures. Uh, we have uh, Betsy Isaacson and Jennifer Suter of sinking ship creations who are here to talk about uh the latest uh, offerings from sinking ship sinking ship is a larp company uh in uh, new york city um that is their home base uh but they've got these um these phone based experiences that they're doing uh the girl on the phone fragile recall and the other side of the line um all of which uh, jennifer performs in uh, by the way, um, uh, and uh, that's that's what they're offering up at this time. It was something they were already playing around with. We're going to get into that. Um, and uh, what's great about it is that uh, it's it's not another Zoom thing. <laughs> although although I I did something I did something that was an online video based uh, thing last night that that was actually interesting. It was actually good. Um, and I think we're starting, people are trying to find their legs on this stuff. Uh, we'll be looking at that a little bit more. Uh, the thing I saw last night, uh, the, uh, the TNT show, TNT, that's right. It's gone back and forth between, uh, I made a mistake when I was trying to describe it the other day and I said TBS when I think it's actually TNT. Uh, but that's fair because apparently it's bounced back and forth, uh, between those two networks, the Turner networks, um, has a new uh, show that's like an adaptation, uh, kind of inspired by, you can almost say, Snowpiercer, uh, both the Bong Joon-ho movie and the French graphic novel uh, that indeed uh, the Bong Joon-ho movie is a uh, uh, an adaptation of. Um, although this one is rooted, at least at the start, in uh, the principles of a police procedural. Um, because, you know, all genre fiction must become police procedurals. That, that's the law, uh, particularly on anything like network television, uh, even cable network television. Uh, but I was not there uh, to uh, assess the, the show. Uh, they did a virtual launch party last night uh, in lieu of a premiere. So they, they showed us the show still. Uh, and then there was a online after party. And so... Uh, there was a, a video window where you could see some performers uh, who were arranged in different uh, train cars. And then there was a chat window, which at one point was buggy and wasn't working for me, but then I was able to bring it back up. Um, and you could jump around to the different rooms. And if you were in a room, you could be you could be in that room's chat. That's what seemed to be going on. I'm pretty sure that's what was going on because the chat would change from room to room. Um, and what was funny was uh, I did run into some people I knew because it was this uh, it was really this weird thing where you've got like you've got people from the immersive world, you've got actors who are on the show who are in there, and everyone had their real name because you know the the the, the PR companies when we set it all up, um, and then like you know 
the the writer of the show who was a creator of Orphan Black is in there, and I'm like, oh my god, uh, is that? Uh, and so it created that feeling from from a premiere party. It's like, oh look, I haven't seen so and so in ages. Oh, oh my god, is that is that is that Chris Pine? Chris Pine wasn't there, but the last time I was at one of these things, Chris Pine was there. This sounds terribly Hollywoody uh, and annoying, uh, but. Um, <laughs> But, you know, that's what going to these things is like. Um, but we, of course, were there to assess the uh, immersiveness of it all. And I got to say, uh, I I, <laughs> I was expecting a train wreck. Uh, it was Snowpiercer, after all. Uh, and what we got was something that, um, that, that definitely worked. Um, uh, this is this kicked it off right. Uh, Little Cinema, uh, who've done these premiere parties in the past. Indeed, uh, they did one for I Am The Night. I've seen their work live. Uh, that's where I saw Chris Pine, which is why I was thinking of Chris Pine. Uh, large head. The man has a large head, like shockingly, like almost like a bobblehead. It's weird. Um, and um, this was up. So there was only one performer uh, or one kind of thing per room. And uh, you couldn't do two-way video communication, thank God. Uh, let me tell you, it's it's a hell of a lot easier to do this stuff when you're not on camera. And so kind of like a Twitch stream, we just had like a chat thing on the side. And that was a relief. And that you would, because you saw people's real names, you would see folks. So uh, Kaylee Lehman, who, uh, Lehman? Sorry, Kaylee. Um, who... Uh, was uh, like the stage manager at uh, San Francisco's Speakeasy for a while, and indeed, who was there during uh, the first IDS. I saw that she was in there, uh, and I, actually at the bar. And I was like, "Well, Kaylee, you know," I was like, "Hey, you know, I haven't seen her in like two years." Uh, and indeed, that sense of you know, that's how a party goes. I saw an old housemate. Ricky was running around. Ricky Briganti. Um, uh, Blake apparently was in there somewhere, but I didn't see where he was. Uh, so, and again, that sounds like a party, right? You know, uh, so kudos for, for having the dynamic of a party. Um, and the, the different, the different things going on in the different rooms, uh, they, some of them were certainly interesting. Um, it, it, it not at all of it worked. Um, I want to spend the most time in the room where Lena Hall uh, who is uh, in the show? She's a uh, she's a singer. She's a Broadway performer. She's in in the show. I think she runs like the cabaret on the train. I think is where she's going to show up on a later episode. I'm not entirely certain. Anyway, she apparently has all these EPs of covers of of you know of Nirvana and Chris Cornell and. Uh, just, you know, if you're a nineties kid, uh, she's got you covered Radiohead, and, and not just covered like really good and not entirely loungy or poppy. Um, but she was like, she was doing some Billy. She like did one of the new Dua Lipa songs, a track that I really like. She like ended with exit music for a film. So the point is I've downloaded all of her EPs. <laughs> so I found a new favorite, like singer. Uh, because of this, which again, the kind of thing you go to a party, you know, everyone's passing around a digitized weapon, you know, like as they do, uh, some singer you never heard of is singing and you're like, wow, they're really good. Can I Shazam that? No, this is real life. Oh, let me look them up. Great. That's how that works. What's the real name again? Oh, this is so, okay, cool. Boom. So again, kudos. That's, that's what a party is. Um, 
they had sent out uh, for those for those in the press that they were trying to impress. Um, and for people who are part of the show, they had sent out a kit. So uh, I'll, I'll put some photos of that online. Uh, you know, highball glasses. There was a cocktail. One of the rooms uh, you had a bartender telling stories and, and walking over occasionally how to, how to make the cocktail. They also sent a card that told you how to make the cocktail. Uh, there was a tarot card that came in. This involved one of the rooms. I did not get to see my tarot card get used. Uh, I popped in there for a minute and they were, seemed to be focusing on other people. Um, but there, there is something here. Um, and there's, there's still, there was some stuff that didn't seem to happen as part of it. Like there was, there was a, a password for something, but that seemed to not be, that didn't seem to matter. Uh, maybe they couldn't get the tech working. This is all being invented. This is all, this is all being new. And there's going to be some more of these things and I'm going to do some more. And I'm going to, I'm going to write about them. Um, but I wanted to sort of like share what's going on out there. Uh, I think there's definitely some lessons that can be learned for producers um, and even for people who are throwing like online parties uh, or getting stuff together with friends or um, just, you know, there's there's some options here. And uh, let me tell you, maybe the best part about the options are airplane bottles of booze. Uh, <laughs> you can get those to people to make tiny drinks. Um, you're going to be good. Also, I got some left over. So uh, I'll be I'll having these. They sent a rosemary sprig. Which, which you need to light on fire. So like I did like an elaborate cocktail last night. Also, now I know kind of how to do that. I didn't do a good job. I just kind of halfway lit it and then I put it in. It's supposed to be smoking at the top of it. Okay, whatever. Um, skills, skills, something six skills. Uh, skills which I will develop in time, I suppose. Um, it's, it's a weird time. It's a weird time. And the, the nut though is slowly being cracked. Uh, I know that there's there's also other stuff going on, uh, and we'll get into that some more next week, episode two fifty. Huh? Who'd have thunk it? Not me. Not me. All right. This show is brought to you by our generous Patreon backers. Uh, we have four new backers this week: Rachel Zilberg, Heather Kelly, Lauren Chase, and Reed Berkowitz. Thank you all. Uh, we have crossed the two thousand dollar line, which is uh, amazing and, and a fantastic relief. Um, there's still a long way to go, but that milestone is pretty darn big, and we're up to three hundred thirty eight backers. So the next goal I have is for us to get to three hundred fifty backers, and you know, uh, there there's work to be done to do that. The hardest thing sometimes is like you go like how much how much more can we work, um, particularly under these conditions, and how much more is everyone working in general? Ah, it, let's not think about that. Let's think of sustaining backers instead. Mark Baltazar, Jan Budman, Paul F, Lonnie Hansen, Ari Hurston, Sam Kinkin, Sydney Guillory, Jeremy Charles Hahn, Brittany, and Elaine. Thank you all so much. Um, and uh, yeah, that oof, I'm still. Uh, <laughs> I'm not hungover. I only had one of the cocktails last night, but I was very tired after one cocktail. Um, this world. Anyway, let's get into the interview with Sinking Ship Creations. All right, here we go. Betsy and Jennifer, thank you for joining me on the show today. Um, for for those who haven't had a chance to experience any of any of the work that Sinking Ship is currently doing, 
Uh, I wonder before we get into that, if you guys could just tell me a little bit about, uh, and, and the audience about, uh, the, the kind of range of work Sinking Ship usually does, or, or did in the before times. Oh, no. Um uh, and and then we can also get into the fact that I think you, this was this work was being planned regardless of whether we were in the kind of current situation we we're in. But yeah, but what yeah. does sinking ship what does sinking ship do? What's um, what's the deal there? <laughs> the deal is we're we're nerds who like LARPs. Um, we we call it immersive theater. We call it interactive theater. We call it a lot of things. But honestly, both Ryan, my partner, and I came from the LARPing world, and we're like, LARPs are really cool, but only, like, a, you know, tiny niche group of nerds play them. I bet everyone would enjoy these. Why don't we try and make some, basically, LARPs that would be friendlier for people who haven't played Dungeons & Dragons their entire life? So what what kind of work does that wind up entailing? Because some people think LARP, think role-playing, and it's instantly, oh, so you're running around in the forest hitting each other with <laughs> PVC pipes. Yeah. So is that is it that exactly. kind of LARP? Or... What I heard about it. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's not that. I mean, no no shade to people who do that, but... Um, I mean, so... I, I do that on occasion. So, I mean, and well, without even the pretense of, of the story anymore, we just get the PVC pipes out and hit each other with them. Yeah. Um... <laughs> yeah. So the, so the first LARP we did um, was... So the first LARP I did with Ryan. Ryan actually ran a sci-fi LARP called Project Ascension before I came on board. And then um, Ryan and I did Escape from Marseille, which I wrote, which is about um, the Emergency Rescue Committee, which was basically a group of Americans in Marseille getting uh, refugees from the Vichy regime out of France and ended up rescuing some fairly famous people like Marc Chagall and Hannah Arndt and um, Andre Breton and various others. So it was... A sort of nice movie-like scenario of, oh, you're a group of plucky American volunteers and you're rescuing these people who we all know about now. And it's World War II, which is about as close as you can get to an IP without actually using an IP because everyone knows, you know, the story of World War II and we sort of dramatize it in our head right now almost like it's a movie or a, you know, long-running Marvel property or something. And, um... The not just the people you are rescuing, you know, Mark Chagall, etc., but also the plucky American volunteers who you were playing were real people. And honestly, doing a historical thing, sort of, you know, you get the people who were like, "Oh no, you're hitting each other with PVC pipes in the woods. That's so nerdy and weird." And doing a historical genre sort of added respectability, like, "Oh, you could be doing this in a museum. Oh, it's World War II. You know, that's not weird." You're, you know, somehow role-playing as as a plucky American rescuing Mark Chagall is less of a leap for a lot of people than you're an elf in the forest. The scale of the work, are, are these evening-long events? Are they weekend-long? Are they sometimes both? Or um, So we've done both. Escape from Marseille was an evening-long event. We... Uh, not long before this, in November, actually, we did Scapegoat, which was a uh, urban fantasy sci-fi. For the city. 
Wait, did it for what? It was a four-day immersive event all over New York City. Yeah. Yeah, Scapegoat was a sci-fi four-day extravaganza. And that is actually when I met Jennifer, who I then decided was brilliant after making her do a bunch of extra work on the fly. I'm really sorry, Jennifer. It super impressed me, though. (laughs) So you've done this kind of large-scale work, done historical, like fully engaged, full body, fully immersive LARP, and now there are the scope of the the scope of the project right now are these one hour long phone experiences um of which there are three and which jennifer you're you're performing in all three of them yep right I, um, it's like six different characters <laughs> um was was it always the plan to have this up and running it was yeah. always the, it um yeah, it was always the plan to have this up and running. We didn't quite know when we were going to have it up and running. Jennifer and I were playtesting this at, you know, end of February, beginning of March, just being like, do to do you know, I guess we'll start these whenever, maybe when things are slow, we're trying to start up a bunch of other things at the same time. And then it was like, oh no, there's a pandemic. I guess this is literally the only thing we can do right now. Mm. Yeah, so we'll it... this, but it ended up working out pretty well. Yeah. <laughs> Jennifer, what what was your are are you an actor by trade? Like how did you how did you wind up getting into this mode where you're performing six different characters in three different phone experiences? <laughs> yeah, so I, I am an actor by trade and I'm also a filmmaker, uh, among other things. But I actually was introduced to LARP and you know, the real LARP that Sinking Ship Creations does. Uh in back in November 2018 when I auditioned for the mortality machine which um took place last January February it at the wilderness in New York City and um I was a participant (laughs) uh so I was interacting with people and uh facilitating their experience to make sure that they hit key moments of the show and the plot and um yeah it just it was it was it was a heck of a lot of fun and I just I, I've done, I think, at least six or seven different productions and experiences with Singing Ship Creations now, and I just, I have, I tell people all the time how grateful I am that I somehow infiltrated this really amazing community of of people, you know, because they're literally they're all over the world and they're just genuinely nice people, <laughs> which is not always common in the actor world. <laughs> how how is it different as a performer? Uh, playing a scene in a play versus playing it in a LARP? Like, are, are you using the same muscles? Um, well, the, the main difference is that in a, in a play or in a web series or a film, it's scripted. Um, and in, in LARPs, it's more improv. So there's certain key points that you want to hit. But other than that, it's kind of like do what you will and interact with people and react to people accordingly. And so it's, it's got, you know, it's got some, some interesting differences there. <laughs> the, there's also, I guess, imagine a, a big difference between 
doing this stuff in person and having just the phone to work with. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, how how much of an adaptation was that? Had you done like a lot of radio drama stuff in? in I mean, I've, or? Done, I've done voiceover and I've done. Um, I mean, it was it was great because back in was it February, uh, Betsy? You did calculations oh, and yeah. I. I yeah. was literally, I was, um, the main part was Gabby, which was uh, kind of a Siri character over the phone talking with these LARPers in their spaceship, right? Yeah. And, which is really cool. And then they got the opportunity to call whoever they wanted. And so I ended up playing, I, I don't even, I, I've never actually counted how many characters. <laughs> and <laughs> it was it was a heck of a lot of fun. It keeps you on your toes and, you know, it, it, it lends itself to a lot of variety and a lot of you know, a lot of a lot of fun, ultimately, especially because you know each each performance is different in some way based off of the participants and what they want to bring to the experience. So you know, some people bring totally off the wall, off the charts ideas, and and it goes in a completely different direction that we couldn't have planned for. And, you know, some people just play by the book and, and just want to get it done because they're kind of like an escape the room mentality and they just want to, you know, hit the hit the the problems and the puzzles and get out. The, the scope of the work you have right now, the, the three pieces, um, th- those are those are a little bit less on the, the escape the room problematic <laughs> side and a little more on the, the, the character exploration side. Am I? right about that or is each of them sort of providing an entirely different beast well, e- each of the each of the three different adventures is its own entity you know what i mean mm-hmm. like because fragile recall which you experienced is um very much you know it's it's very intimate it's very personal it's it's you talking with your past life so there's there's a, there's this opportunity to be vulnerable Um, and open up as a participant, um, which can be very impactful, you know. Um, And then there's the girl on the phone, which is super intense, very dramatic, high stakes, and it's a completely different format, you know what I mean? Mm. Um, And then then the other side of the line, it gives people an opportunity to have a hard conversation with someone that they – you know, generally on Facebook, maybe bashing and don't agree with, but have that distance. And this gives them the chance to talk to another human that they don't agree with, which most people don't do these days. <laughs> and it gives them an opportunity to figure out how to talk with somebody that they might not agree with on some fundamental things. How's how's that one going over? And I guess, like, how do you know if it's actually worked or not because you know you're 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 playing the character but i mean are, are, are do you hold the same well describe describe what that one's about because it's a it's, it's, so, it's a very interesting concept so that one that one's about um anti-vaxxers and um and trying to have a, a conversation with with somebody and not not you know make them the villain just because they think something different than you even if it seems ridiculous you know because of the science we have uh it it just it gives people the opportunity to try and be human i guess more human in a, in a digital age um to to try and convince uh alex's cousin karen that 
that vaccines don't cause autism so that his his uh little well i guess not a nephew hmm. what is it what is it betsy because it's karen's son jason i think it's a uh, cousin once removed <laughs> okay thank yeah, you <laughs> yeah. second cousin yeah that's yeah, second yeah. Cousin. um you know that they 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 that they're taken care of and that they get vaccinated. Um, it's, it's just, it, it gives, especially now with, with, with COVID going on, it's, it's kind of, it's <laughs> adapted into something else. <laughs> yeah. It's, that yeah. one we added the most, I guess, contemporary content to, because there's all these conspiracy theories going around about COVID too. And so it's like, mm-hmm. Oh, okay. If this woman is, a rabid anti-vaxxer, she has definitely picked up some of the conspiracy theories about COVID as well. And she's going to talk about them, and this is going to get... And in terms of, I guess, knowing whether it's working, like, this is my... This is my moralistic little piece. It is... You can... So, Karen is wrong. Like, vaccines don't cause autism. She believes wrong facts very strongly. Um, it's really funny for me to play. <laughs> you, you really will not get anywhere with her if you just sort of shout at her for believing wrong things. Because I'm really not sure you get anywhere with anyone who believes in wrong things if you shout at them about how dumb they are. Like, no, that's that's not how, like, it might make you feel real good on Facebook, but that's that's not how you convert a person who is actually wrong. So there's a lot of, frankly, Jennifer does a lot of backleading into the way you're going to convince this person to listen to you is not to yell at her, not even to just sort of hit her over the head with statistics, which you have more on your side than she does, but to talk to her like she's a person worth taking seriously, even if you're like, and also you're believing in wrong facts. Because it turns out, and I'm not going to super spoil everything, she has a sort of big emotional reason why she has hit upon this belief and clung to it. And it's wrong, but you're not going to get her out of, you're not going to dig her out of that wrong belief. Right. And the the thing is, it's, it's it's not about, you know, working in the sense of we must get to this particular, um, point, you know, it's not, it's, it's more like, like Betsy said, it's, it's just, it's, it's human learning how to speak kindly with other humans when they might disagree, which is something that needs to be retaught nowadays. I guess I'm wondering, like, are people having, are people having like a hard time figuring that, that part out? Cause like you know, Betsy mentioned a lot of backleading folks into that mode. <laughs> Well, it's really yeah. funny because because I text them as Alex at first, and it's funny when people are like, "Well, she's stupid" or "She's wrong," and then I have to talk to them as Karen, as the sweet as the sweet little woman who who you know just wants the best for her kid. And it's just kind of funny how people can be very mean over text when they think they're talking to somebody else, and then can be nicer when they're talking with the with the actual mother. So, so the audience is two faith. No, <laughs> not always, not always, but sometimes it's just kind of like, whoa. Every <laughs> now and again. I mean, do, do the audience? Because the one, the one we did with, with Fragile Recall. Yeah. You know, you're, you know, you ask, you know, what's 
you know, your name, you know, well, the name is known and then you're told you're going to, you know, be encountering your, your past self and you're, you're asked again to give your name and you could probably like get away with like, you know, like lying, but like, do people tend to, in all of these play themselves, um, in these experiences or I mean, it, it depends. Cause mm-hmm. like when we were, when we were playtesting it, it was all LARPers. And then when we opened it up to the public, it's some non-LARPers. So non-LARPers generally, like 100% across the board, play themselves because that's what they do. Um, but LARPers uh, can and sometimes do, I feel, uh, decide to kind of make a character for themselves. Yeah, and I mean... It's possible that some of the people we don't know, some of the non-LARPers, have been playing characters, and we just would have no idea. Like, yeah. there could be secret characters in there. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, it's one of those things that's just kind of generally interesting to me, because I feel like one of, the, one of the things that sort of divides a LARPing experience from an immersive theater experience tends to be whether or not you're adopting an alias if you're one of the players. Um, uh, or, or whether you're just playing uh, an aspect of yourself, and you know, having having LARPed myself, having acted, you know, there's definitely a relationship between those two modes. But you know, one when you're playing a character, that, that sort of implies you've got an agenda. Uh, there's an objective you're after, um, as, as as a thousand. <laughs> A thousand theater teachers would tell you, you know, like what is the objective of this scene? Um, whereas when you're well, at least when I'm doing the immersive theater thing, I find it really often freeing to not have to have an objective, to not have a goal, to just sort of be there and just react honestly and naturally which like any Meisner teacher would tell you is like the goal anyway. And this is like, I, the participants I love the most are the ones that invest themselves in the story and are open to being vulnerable. Mm. You know, like that just makes it so much better overall, I think. Yeah. Yeah. It's actually the thing you mentioned, Noah has actually been a problem for us in marketing this because so, uh, Jennifer and I sometimes call these phone adventures and sometimes phone LARPs. And we started marketing them as phone adventures because I I playtested them with a bunch of LARP friends who were like, well, this isn't really a LARP. You're not adopting an alias. And, you know, people might feel deceived if they think they're going to be adopting an alias. And then it's like, oh, shit, oh, shit, I have to play myself. Or even, you know, yay, I'm playing myself. So you you shouldn't call them phone LARPs. You should call them phone adventures. And then we started doing this and we got a bunch of feedback from people who were super mad because they didn't realize they were more or less going to have to interact with the story to make plot happen. They Hmm. were sort of expecting something where they like answered a few questions and then a story happened to them. And they were like, what is this? I'm so angry. Um, And so then we started calling it a phone LARP again, or at least I've started calling it a phone LARP more often because I want to put out their like, no, you have to interact to make a story happen. <laughs> Please don't think we will just tell you a story on the phone. There are some places that do that. They do it probably very well. We are not one of them. Yeah, this is this is a remote, intimate, interactive 
experience. Yeah. I mean, I I kind of find it fascinating that someone pays $60 and expect, you know, 45 minutes of someone telling them a story. It's like, just please talk to me. <laughs> oh, I am so sorry Jennifer has had to deal with them. <laughs> it's, I mean, but it is, it's like. It's easier it on the phone. It's it's a conversation, you know, whether it's by text or whether it's, you know, verbal on the actual phone. It's, it's, a, it's a conversation with the person. It's an interactive experience, you know, and, and those that are ready and wanting and willing to interact, they're getting a heck of an experience. It's pretty awesome. And then the people that don't want to interact are kind of hitting the wall yeah yeah it's funny because like you you'd think adventure would also imply absolutely agency right you know or you can be you're you're given the opportunity to save a life you're given the opportunity to talk with your past life how exciting is that like you're given the opportunity to to talk with your friend's cousin and and save her kid like from a, from a distance like you're you're the hero here like this is your chance to make a change to do something yeah oh, and and the one i mean the one that i've gotten a chance to experience like it it didn't feel like i i was not the protagonist in the sense of i didn't have to Again, I didn't have to have a checklist of my own. I didn't have to check in like, well, what's my motivation? Like, yeah. you know, the <laughs> framing seemed to be pretty clear was like, you know, the conceit is you found out about this medium. They told you they're going to be able to talk to your past life. Mm-hmm. So you call the number and you're going to talk to your past life. And all you really need is your curiosity. Yeah, to sure. that one. Absolutely. And that, that's the thing is it's like, I think it's in, in the, the kind of plot summary for for girl on the phone it's can you foil a kidnapping and for other side of the line it's can you convince my cousin karen to that that you know she should vaccinate her kid and then with with fragile recall it's hey do you want to talk to your past life like yeah. Yeah. it's pretty it's pretty clear what what each of the emotes are you know i mean maybe there's something about yeah i i don't i don't know i'm do you know do you happen to know like how without like doxing anyone like how how those particular folks who they've been in trouble with like where they've found out about the work itself because i'm just trying to imagine i mean literally right now i'm trying to think of like someone looking at no proscenium like someone from our audience going like well i i didn't expect to have to do something and being like what website have you been reading for the past five years um or maybe it's your first day you know um yeah like do you have any sense of where they're coming from um so we got briefly mentioned in the new york times but the actual answer is i don't know yeah and i mean there's immersive and then there's immersive like i have seen immersive experiences that have for lack of a better word asked less of the participants like we're gonna have you answer you know a few pre-written questions at pre-written times but you know mostly it's it's gonna be us like i think of sleep no more as sort of the prototypical we're not asking all that much of the participants like sleep no more is obviously not a phone alert but you're wandering around and like if you don't choose to interact with the story at all it's fine and this still counts as an immersive experience in some way but it's extremely bad preparation for like the girl on the phone when suddenly someone's like quick i need to know where i am in you know 
Caracas and you're like, oh my god, I need to do a thing. But no, it, for 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 sleep no more. It's it's funny because it it is partially immersive, but it's actually more of a promenade um, for people that study theater. Um, it's an immersive promenade, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, like I mean, that's one of the things that's interesting right now is like I feel like in this in this moment when we've had a lot of the tools taken away from us, we're starting to get down into some of what's essential, right? Uh, I mean, we see it in in the Facebook group that we we manage. Um, you know, people will drop some like they'll drop like a Zoom thing. It's like, oh, we're doing a state, we're doing a, a live reading of this play or this screenplay, and we'll like rip that right out of the group because that's not remotely the kind of thing that you know if 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 we weren't all locked indoors, if we weren't all hiding from the sun. Uh, that we would we would ever put in a group. Mm-hmm. Some people have gotten like upset that we pulled the stuff, um, but it, it seems to me that there's we're leaning more towards the definition of what we do as being about experiences, and the work is experiential in some way. And something like Sleep No More, you know, you don't have a lot of narrative agency, but you can go wherever you want that you aren't physically bored from going. Yeah. And the, the, the thing about adventures on the phone and and all the other things that are being created right now for this, you know, lockdown state <laughs> is, is it, as you said, it, it, it comes down to the essentials. And what's essential is imagination and curiosity, like you said, you know, and yeah, just that, that's it. Imagination and curiosity. And you can create wonders from your, you know, bedroom, living room, bathroom. <laughs> Although in some ways I'm glad we were planning this before the lockdown, if only because I was thinking I'm going to have to compete against, you know, real live LARPs and events. And so in some ways I think there are, you know, some events, and I'm I'm not going to name names here, which feel sort of thrown together because they were like, oh, you know, shit, we have nothing to do. Okay, let's throw together something and it... It doesn't matter if it's sort of amateur hour because nobody knows what they're doing anyways. And, yeah. um, and a lot I, of stuff I, being released is like pay what you can or like everyone's giving away, you know, half their their funds or all of them to like, you know, some relief effort. And everyone's just like, oh, well, you know, what else are we going to do? Yeah. <sighs> anyway, sorry, you had a question and I totally interrupted you, so... Oh no, sorry. No, uh, like I said, this is this is always this is a conversation. It's like a like a back and forth. So I mean, t- to your point, like you, you're you're happy that you had this already in 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 process, and now you're finding yourself, you know, sort of with like something that's kind of perfectly shaped for for this time. Yeah, yeah. I was really really lucky in this. I mean, we both were. Um, yeah. And it's actually, it's interesting because it's like, all you need is a cell phone. And we've had people in China that have asked, you know, if they can experience it. And we're like, okay, yeah, we'll do WhatsApp, you know, or. And, Not and WhatsApp, just, it got banned in China. Yeah, I, or, or Google Hangouts. Or, like, it's just, it's just, you know, we're adapting. Like, there was one lady who I think was in her, her, her mid-70s and she didn't have a cell phone. So, you know, for the girl on the phone, there's texting involved. And so part of it was just emailing back and forth. And, you know, it's just finding ways 
to make it work for everyone and and you know it's already accessible as it is and it's just you know making it work yeah how how, you know how have you found the mood of the audience like overall because it's such a psychologically stressful time for so many people so (laughs) It it definitely is it definitely is but it's interesting because there's not been a a solid you know side of the spectrum it's it's been all over the place just like i think anybody is regularly you know some people are super happy and jazzed to be doing something and interacting some people are just kind of like bummed because they're stuck inside and they miss their grandma or you know some people have people crawling all over their buildings and annoying the crap out of them (laughs) you know Oh, I know that one real well. Yeah, uh, I mean, everybody's coming from a different place. Um, even though we're all technically staying at home, I mean, like everybody's everybody's kind of dealing with it in their own way, whether that's escapism, mentally or otherwise, or you know, everybody's everybody's just been human. Variety of reactions and states of mind. So you have three of these running right now. What have you? And how many times? like in aggregate have you done these shows like how many runs have there been roughly oh gosh um (laughs) i'd say there's been between oh gosh i don't know maybe math Do, do you have do you have a running count, Betsy, somewhere on the... <laughs> I don't have a running count. I can get... So, actually, if you're willing, you know, like, when we get off, I can... I have records of how many of these we've done, but I don't have them on me. Okay, so I'm, like just, I'm just thinking, like, less... a, like, a ballpark. Are we talking, like, okay. you know, a few score, or are we talking, like, over 100, or... Like... I don't think I don't think we've reached the hundred mark, but okay. it has been like it's been sprinkled out through the past few months. If I'm including playtests, which I am, because that's basically work for you. The same thing, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah I, I think we're close to a hundred, but not quite a hundred. Okay, what what do you feel like for both of you? What do you feel like you've learned? Uh, well, one are are you feeding back in? I mean, like uh, you know, with with the the anti-vax one, obviously you fed some of the COVID era stuff back in. Are are you still honing the pieces as you go and sort of having an iterative process here, so that like the the show that you know, started at the end of March is not quite the shows that you're doing right now? Is is that part of the process, oh, or or do these yes. come in pretty well? <laughs> yeah. We've we've been speaking. From the from the very beginning onward, you know, when it, we have a feedback survey that we send everyone afterwards, and and you know, we we take things into account, you know, and, and make changes as necessary to to make future experiences better for people. Yeah, we've done so. There's been everything from, you know, in Girl on the Phone when you're being asked to do some things. There's been a lot of like, this is confusing or hard, um, that we've tweaked or taken out to like. We've added new characters for Fragile Recall. In fact, uh, Edith, who I think you talk to, um, is is new. And basically I was like, Jennifer, we need another character. Who do you want to be? And she was like, oh, wow. this person. And I was like, okay, I'm writing something for this person. Edith is fun. <laughs> how, how many, how many, 
how many past lives are there in that thing? Uh, right now, there's only two. Okay. Um, and we actually hit the reason we did the second one is we hit um, somebody who was older than the first one being like, I'm mad about this. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this person can't be my past life. And we were oh like, oh, also right. interesting because we, we had somebody, some, some other people who, you know, it wasn't necessarily their past life, but they generally, like, they really did enjoy talking with with babe so it's it, again it's kind of a temperament of the participant <laughs> that yeah. the reaction there so first it was going to be it's always the same past life but sometimes the psychic is a fraud and sometimes they're not based on how old you are basically and then we got somebody <laughs> who's like you have totally sold me a bill of goods i want to talk to my past life you can't have your psychic be a fraud and we were like okay we're putting in a second person and we might add other ones. Um, I was actually thinking of, right now it's just Jennifer and I, so I don't want to load Jennifer up with too much. But I've been like, huh, I could totally add some other ones. I might do some more other phone lives first, because I'm, you know, one of those sort of bitches who always wants to start different projects. So I'm like, but I have this idea and this idea and this idea. But I might go back at some point and add more past lives. Yeah, do you feel like you've learned like uh, uh, like a, a big insight in this run of work? Uh, Jennifer, you want to go first? You're the one who's been doing the actual hard work of talking to people <laughs> on the telephones. Oh, man. Uh, no, a big insight. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's my my entire life and and job as an actor is interacting with people and reacting to people so it's uh pretty pretty normal pretty normal for me uh but i really i love like i like like with girl on the phone i love it when people come up with these totally unique you know methods of saving her it just it it kind of it just it makes my day it makes it's really exciting to see them thinking about things that i that nobody else has brought up before you know and then with fragile recall i love being able to just delve into you know philosophical discussions with people um it's just really it's enjoyable like in one you know we we talked about the concept of time as linear versus cyclical and wormholes and it was it was great Betsy, what about you? So I don't know if I've had one big insight so much as a lot of small ones. Um, and some mm. of it is just, we've been getting a lot more, okay, what I'll call normies for phone LARPs. Because, you know, shockingly, a lot of people who aren't already in the LARP community or in some adjacent community are really are really scared of just going into a room of strangers and acting. And I'm like, okay... Now that I think about that for three seconds, that makes sense. And so they're much more likely to go on a phone with one actor who is a professional. And frankly, you know, if they sound stupid on the phone, the actor's not going to care. Um, yeah, and, and it's really very sweet when people, I don't know, when they're when they're like apologizing or something because they're, they think it's too hard, you know, like, like Betsy was saying or something, it, or, you know, it's just, it's interesting because then I have to, even if my character's asking for help, then I subtly have to help them, you mm. know, and support, support their emotional needs in that moment instead, even, yeah. Yeah. So. so I think we 
just gotten a lot more insight into dealing with people who don't usually do immersive theater or LARP or anything adjacent, because suddenly we're getting people who don't and who are, for instance, more likely to be self-conscious when they're like, oh no, this is too hard. And, you know, and, but it's been really nice getting those people because in some ways it's felt like with a lot of our live things that we have a pretty small pond of, you know, a bunch of nerds basically and like hipster theater folks. And it's been really nice getting, you know, people who don't fit that demographic and letting them have fun, like showing people who are not hipster theater people from Brooklyn even a little bit like, hey, this is awesome. Yeah, that that expansion. I mean, we're, we're still in this place with this field as a whole where far more people have no idea it exists than that have ever done any of this stuff. Um, just like it absolutely eclipses. The numbers are, are, are staggering and it's super easy for people inside, you know, our communities, whether it's the immersive theater community or the LARP community to like forget that maybe people have like vaguely heard of something like what, goes on or like they saw an episode of gossip girl or they saw a movie where there was some larping uh or they saw you know a a sketch comedy show poke fun at something uh but they don't they don't really have any sense of of the actual qualitative nature of it um yeah and we're in this really weird moment where like there's there's only so much netflix and so many zoom meetings you can do yeah <laughs> particularly zoom meeting i'm also just super thankful that y'all are doing film larps and it's it's not just like another another zoom thing like people are starting to figure out interesting things to do with zoom but uh i i think i was born with zoom fatigue so when i see like, <laughs> this, like here's 17 zoom thing i was like i don't i don't care i don't no, you know, like you <laughs> yeah you know, like you need to, you need to show me that you've somehow know how to overcome the inherent problems with that platform. Um, yeah. Which I don't know. Like some people, I know some people hate talking on the phone, but like <laughs> I was, I was in a generation that enjoyed it. So uh, <laughs> it's, it's easier. It, there's something, you know. I guess what I'm saying is like you don't have to, you know, wear anything but sweatpants, and if uh, your hair's a mess, it doesn't matter. So and I'm very thankful for that. Yeah, I've also been really grateful that, frankly, with um, phone LARPs, and I guess this would also be true of Zoom LARPs, but that you can get out of New York. Like, so many of our mm. of our productions are just spatially constrained, and I've occasionally gotten emails from people in, like, Colorado being like, hey, can I, you know, is your is your is your production ever coming here like can i play in this and being like well no not unless you can play pay for our plane tickets to colorado in a venue which i don't think you can <laughs> um and so being able to be like yes person in colorado we have a thing that you can do come play with our stuff is really yeah. awesome and i think sort of fighting the small pond thing a bit yeah 
and that's that's been a that's been a nice side effect although like the, the flip side to it is then suddenly you've got like 17 invites for one night from like 17 different cities and you're like oh for the love of god and not quite 17 but still even even two or three on a single night when they're coming from different parts of the country it's just like well this is not a problem we had before a month ago yeah <laughs> like this is this is novel this is brand new um all right uh for those who have gotten this far and and somehow don't uh, know how to find you, uh, how can folks find these phone adventures or form phone LARPs? Uh, www.sinkingshipcreations.com slash phone. Or if you just go to the Sinking Ship Creations website and uh, there will be a drop down menu with phone LARPs on them and you can click on that fantastic uh and how long how long are you going to keep running these is this a this an open-ended run i'm sure at the moment (laughs) i mean i think i would like to keep them going going at least until the quarantine ends after which it's like as long as jennifer wants to she is the one doing a lot of the real work at this point has has it been has it been nice to have like a, a gig during this period of time because i gotta imagine this was like gonna be like one thing amongst many things oh yeah no i i've been very lucky because i mean pretty much all of my in-person work march april may all got canceled obviously and so this was one of the one of the things that they got to keep going so it was nice well, that's good yeah all right. Well, Betsy and Jennifer, thank you both for joining us on the show today and for uh, having a little chat about the work you're doing. Thank you. Thank you so much, <laughs> Noah. Once again, I want to thank Betsy and Jennifer for being our guests on the show today. You can find Sinking Ship Creations at sinkingshipcreations.com. Funny how that works. Um, we're getting, and, 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 and I encourage you to check it out because uh, in some parts of the country, we're going to be doing this for a while. Speaking of which, um, it does look like some parts of the country are spinning back up. Others are going to be down for a while here in L.A. Uh, it's indefinite, uh, but at least through July, it looks like. Although not not blanket, just, you know, modified things. Things are going to be different. Um, you know, Disney Shanghai opened up this week. So out there in the world, things are going on. I haven't followed up on that. I wonder how that's going. Um, but then also we got news like out of South Korea that, you know, one dude went around to like four nightclubs or something like that and suddenly 50 people are sick. So, um, none this, none of this is contained at the moment. Um, it's hard to know what numbers to trust. Uh, and even talking rationally about scientific stuff apparently now is political because everything that happens is political. So F it. Um, uh, if it's going to be like that, um, we're having a lot of conversations. I know a lot of conversations are going on about, uh, you know, when things get back to normal, what does normal look like? How much is it going to cost to operate things? Uh, what do we do? What do we do? What do we do? Um, 
And what's nice right now, in as much as anything can be nice, is that people are finding new ways of creating. Uh, and they're testing the limits on things and, and kicking the tires. And there's there's a lot of innovation going on. And there's there's a lot of you know emphasis on on the connection, right? Because what we're craving more than ever is connection. And once in a while, I I do like to pull back and think about the long term effects of this, right? Uh, think about not a year from now, but two years from now, three, four, five years from now. Um, let's let's be frank and and, and hold on for a second. I'm not going to talk about statistics or whatnot. I'm not going to talk about about grief, but I am going to use the word trauma. Um, and so uh, this may get heavy for me for a minute. So I'm prepping myself. Um, we're all collectively experiencing a, a, a pretty intense trauma right now. Um, and y you know it's happening because people are acting out in all kinds of ways. And, and that's happening because there's some fundamental needs that are not being met for a, a lot of people. Um, and connection and human contact is a big part of that, right? Like it is, it is massive. And there's a thing about the heart of our art form um, that is about the connection, about the intimacy, about binding people together, about illustrating the connections on those lines. And right now, people are finding ways to capture that essence with a limited tool set. But as we project forward, as we look ahead, we're going to we're going to have people who are so hungry from this time for connection. Uh, saw something come across the desk yesterday that like, you know, kids are having a really hard time with um, you know, Zoom and Google Hangouts and everything, you know, because they're, they're doing it for school and it's just it's getting rough and they're, they're not into it. Who would be? Um, we're all going to kind of emerge from this as things start to come back. Um, and I worry because, like, you know, we, we see, like, images, say, out of Wisconsin where, you know, the Supreme Court there was like, all oh, the, the order's illegal. And people are instantly back in bars and not taking safety precautions. And you see an image like that and you go like, oh, God. Phew. Like... Hope their luck holds out, because if it doesn't, ugh. Um, and indeed, not only, ugh, but then, like, well, we just bought, you know, six more weeks, three more months of this, right? Like, every time we fail to stop it, we buy more time of disaster. Um, and, and so we're going to have one group of people who are, you know, touch starved for lack of a better term. We're going to have another group of people who are very, very, very wary of, of connecting. And we're going to have this art form that's all about connection and the work ahead is going to be more needed than ever. And the problems, both creative and logistical that are going to be facing us are 
more complex than we expected to ever have to deal with. The lasting trauma of this period of time is going to make the type of connection that immersive and experiential work provides just that more cherished when we get through with this. Of that, I'm convinced. If for no other reason, then, I terribly miss being amongst people and doing the things we do. And not just in the sense of, I want to go to the show, but in the sense of those moments of connection, of being able to look into someone's eyes, being able to hold someone's hand, of, of, of going through those motions and feeling those feelings. Um, you, you just want it more than ever. Look, I'm spending a lot of time in VR. I'm enjoying it. There, there's plenty going on there. Uh, there are moments where I, I get bliss. Tetris Effect came out this week for the quest. I'm so happy. Uh, so very, very happy with that. Um, there's plenty else going on. Um, you know, there are times when the video meetings are just fine. You know, you get the right group of people and, and everything's fine. But we're going to be missing. We, we already are missing. And, and I think that, you know, there's going to be a lot of us who come out of this and will never take for granted the core of this art. And I think there's going to be a lot of people who didn't discover this in the before times who once it's safe, discover what all of you have to offer and they're going to be so grateful. So that's where we're on the journey to. And if we're having a hard time right now, uh, you know, Think of this like a period of great exploration, right? Uh, you know, our forefathers and foremothers uh, inevitably went on far longer journeys than what we're experiencing right now. Um, and our future descendants, if they take to the stars, will go on even farther journeys. So uh, right now we've just got, we've got to do what we got to do. It's a journey. We're all in it together. Uh, but on the other side of this is, is a chance, is a chance to start again. <laughs> eh, maybe, hopefully. Mm. Okay, I'm not just sure about that. But it's definitely a chance to make a case for the work. And at the end of the day, that's all we're ever looking to do. Okay. Um, more on that later. Still thinking, still processing, as I'm sure you all are. Uh, that's it for now. Uh, this is the respite before the workmen come back and start scraping at the windows again, which seems to be never ending. Uh, next week, episode 250, you know we got some special stuff planned. We haven't done it yet. <laughs> we got some special stuff planned. 
All right, let's go through the credits. The music for No Persinium is by Chris Porter of the Speakeasy Society. The sustaining backers of No Persinium are Mark Balthazar, Jan Budman, Paul F., Lonnie Hansen, Ari Hurston, Sam Kinkin, Sidney Guillory, Jeremy Charles Hahn, Brittany, and Elaine. Thank you all so much. And until next time, I'll catch you on the interwebs. Bye.